You're listening to the Desert Moon Hockey Podcast with Matt and Rich. Welcome back to the Desert Moon Hockey Podcast, uh, episode Jason Jaspers. The reason I'm going with that one is because we share the same birthday and I want to feel important. We are back. We have a special guest, but we're not going to talk about him right now. I need to take just a minute. All right. You can wait. No no one cares. We got to talk about the real hero <laughs> of Arizona last night, and that is Robert effing Mastro Simone. I know you two don't watch ASU hockey. No one watches ASU hockey. I'm alone on an island and Craig Morgan somewhere off to the side. But that was a game last night against St. Thomas. I just need like two minutes, then we'll get to everything else because they shut him out the the previous night. TJ Septonfelter, I think it's his fourth shutout of the season. The the kid is a brick wall. Coyotes, please draft this kid. Even if it's like a fourth round pick, just draft this kid. This is a this is a good young goaltender. But last night, St. Thomas on the board first. ASU keeps bouncing back, and it keeps going that way back and forth. You get a penalty shot from one Joshua Doan. Where he literally pulls the verbata, the the forehand backhand, like beautiful move, phenomenal. Then we end up going into overtime after Benji Eckerly ties it in the third period, and Mastro Simone. And and again, I'll also say this, Coyotes. I don't care what you got to do, get this kid from Detroit all the way down the ice, an NHL level cut, making this defenseman look ridiculous. Game-winning goal. That's, I think, his fourth or third game-winning goal of the season. Mastro has been clutch all year, and ASU gets back-to-back wins. I still don't think they make the tournament, but ASU gets back-to-back wins, and that was hype. Seriously, get on some of these ASU kids. And also, if you're not watching ASU hockey, watch ASU hockey. It is infinitely more fun than what you're going to watch with the Coyotes, except for that brawl last night, which Richie will have a lot more to, to talk about potentially that. potentially allegedly <laughs> I'll, I'll say potentially that allegedly gigantic yeah. asterisks and um uh just to give i believe mastro um is going into his like final year where like he can sign with anyone if they don't sign him after the season so if my memory serves me i gotta relook at that contract or that uh draft pick but uh you know if he goes into the offseason he may get uh pretty decent contract with how well he's playing for ASU. I'm just saying he would be worth every penny. Obviously he's not going to get like 5 million. I'm stupid, but he might be able to get like a million coming out of college. Introduce our guests. All right. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Just just some, some guy we got off the street. (laughs) Name is Haynes P Evans. Uh, He's a, just like me, puck authority alum, but currently writing for the hockey writers and the co-host of the inferior hockey podcast, the trip and podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Haynes, welcome to the Desert Moon Hockey Podcast. I had to give a couple of shots to a rival pod. And, uh, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I, uh, I don't think either boys will mind and all that. It, it's a fun little spirited rivalry there. Um, no, I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, picked the right time to be on. Sideline with some broken ribs is about the perfect time to be on. I'm doing currently nothing with my life right now because of this. So, uh Oh. I appreciate you guys having me on and all that. I'm looking forward to a fun, a fun pod. Fun pod. I just hope your ribs don't get further damaged by the amount of <laughs> stupid stuff that I say that will make you laugh or regret <laughs> joining this podcast for the episode. One of the two. There's no in between, really. All right. Where do you want to start us off here today, Matt? Oh, actually, wait. I got an e-bag first. Hold on. E-bag. Here. Hold, hold on. Here. E-bag. So, if you've made it this far into the podcast, please give us a like, a follow, a subscription on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and make sure to leave a comment or whatever. You know, do the things. Do the things. The algorithm likes the things. Do all the things, all right? Yes, all, all those things. Just Thank open you. up a incognito browser and just watch us on repeat. 
I swear it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt you. Anyway, so uh, do, do do you want to start with fun stuff or do you want to get right into that brawl? I feel like everybody wants to talk about that brawl. Yeah, we can we can talk about the brawl. So where the hell did this Anaheim Coyotes rivalry come from? I know uh, I the actual it, answer is last year that that yeah. game in, in Gila, but like this, they, these teams have been in the same division for the longest time. They now no longer are. I think it's the I, I think we're the second year away from them. Everything time is irrelevant to me at this point. But yeah. we've never seen the Ducks and Coyotes ever have any sort of spat like this. What the hell is going on? Other than Tyson Nash complaining about skilling it up. <laughs> I think it's just two teams that are kind of in the bottom of the league that are, you know, kind of in nowhereville and they they care. Like, you know, the saying is that, you know, hockey players aren't going to tank. They're going to try. And I think those two teams are right at the same kind of competition with each other when it comes to skill and allowed shots and all this, all the, the, all the numbers. So, you know, I think, I think that's where it really kind of comes from. And then, you know, going back to like you were saying last year with Troy Terry getting punched up by Jay Beagle, like there's, there's some bad blood, you know, even if Jay Beagle's not there, that the, uh, the blood is bad between the two. Well, that's what happens when you give Connor Garland's number to a fake Connor Garland. That, that they should have just given him any random number and helped me with my counting to a hundred series with Coyotes jerseys. That's all Jay Beagle's useful for at this point. But did, did, you had a little bit of a perspective of a bad yeah. lip reading. Yeah. And, so uh, I want to preface heavily. This, this is, is all alleged. This yeah. is not. We are not breaking a story. We are not presenting this as fact. I whatever like I want you to go into your cabinet and grab the salt shaker and just put a bunch of it on your tongue. That's how much salt we need you to take this with grains of salt. All right, this is straight up. <laughs> You're just yeah. going off what little so, information we potentially have. Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Allegedly. Yeah. So obviously, don't don't take this and say, oh, this is finite. This is exactly what Zegra said. But supposedly to the bad, the bad rip, uh, lip readers, the, the people who like read lips and stuff, um, midway, I should give context, midway through the second period, um, uh, Stetcher became like completely just unhinged. Like he was losing his mind during the game and Zegras ended up getting a 10 minute misconduct for something he said on the ice and supposedly to the lip readers um it may or may not have been about stetcher's dad who had passed away so that's that's pretty messed up if that is true um you know obviously we'll wait until the story comes out uh but you know with things like this the story may never come out so we don't truly know and obviously i don't go Straight to Zegras saying like, "How dare you?" Because obviously they, you're you're getting this information from lip readers, which <laughs> is not. <laughs> it's like getting your your information from a lie detector. Like it's not perfect, so don't don't rely on solely rely on that information. However, just circumstantial evidence. The only thing I want to chime in is it also could partially explain why someone's losing their mind as much as as. Yeah. Stetcher was in that play. So again, asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. But it, it's it, these teams got some bad blood, and uh, well, you you probably should have just gone for the classic your mom joke. To be completely honest here, because I I don't think that if that is true, that's that's the route you go. Yeah, yeah. I I I 
I don't know what Zegris is doing. Like, I like Zegris. I like the skill. I don't know why he's being very wormy all of a sudden. Like, it, you know, the past, I, either it was last season or the season before when he broke into the league and everybody started to get really excited about him, um, you know, doing all the, the Michigan goals and the flip goal and all that stuff. Like, that was really cool. Like, that's cool to see. Like, all the kids were imitating it. This is what you want to see from hockey. This is how you grow the game is, like, this next generation of skill players, like, needs to cut the the worm stuff out. Like, I get that some players play with that edge, but, like, if he is breaking boundaries like that, that's, you, you can't do that, man. Like, you know, you can insult people's bombs or, you know, talk about the arena situation with the Coyotes as a chirp, What you know, whatever you got to do, but you don't talk about dead relatives. That's, that's like, that's like too far. Well, I I actually had a joke that wasn't really funny, but it was like, hey, they just came back from the Coyotes Arena anyway. College kids like to party. Maybe he got a bug on the way back, and that's why he's acting wormy. But uh, <laughs> the Coyotes at least managed to lose that one in overtime, so they do maintain the tank a little bit. I think San Jose won, but Chicago lost, so was, you don't want to get points right now. But yeah, realistically speaking, what do you think they need to finish in order for Gary Bettman to rig the draft lottery and give us Connor Bedard? I, I still say bare minimum, you got to finish at number two. I, I think that's where you, you, you got to end up at least at number two. You know, it, it, I get, you know, number one is kind of a pipe dream with how bad Columbus is right now. You know, maybe they pull their, their heads out of their tuchuses, but at the very least, you got to, you got to end up at number two, you know, and if you end up with Mitchkoff as a consolation prize, I, I think people are going to be, delightfully surprised with or Fantilli or Carlson as a bunch like people that I talked to at the the arena like straight up there's at least three guys that could be number one picks in their own drafts all available in the same draft yeah if you if you put all four of those guys at the top in last year's draft like they're (laughs) they're all like just number one picks just absolutely like they are head and shoulders above last year's draft. I think, you know, obviously we see how well like Cooley's doing, but at the same time, like when you compare it to those four guys, like it's, it's just, it's not even close. I love Logan Cooley as a prospect. He's going to be great here. If you told me right now, I could swap Cooley for Fantilli, that exact same pick. I can just swap the two. I would do it without a second thought just straight up i wouldn't be questioning anything i would just do it and that's nothing against cooley because he's going to be a great second line center here but adam fantilli really is like that step above and uh mitchkov's also a damn good player so as long as you get top three i know last year i said top three and it worked out for us i know we want bedard the goal is number one but top three we really can't lose as long as you make sure you get top three if you get anywhere else it just depends on who you know what someone takes ahead of you yeah, absolutely. I, I think we've been neglecting the guest a little bit. Yes. I, I, what, what What are your thoughts on the tank? You know, obviously, we fully embrace the tank. We are absolutely just inject that what into are, our veins. What are your political views and the history what, of the world? Do you like long walks on the beach? And, it, and who's your favorite hockey player? And why is it, you know, don't? Just any don't. Josh, Shane, Bernie. Uh, I don't think he played hockey, but I'll, I'll, just, I'll throw Bernie in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shane Dunn's my favorite. First off, um, 
But no, you, you know, as someone who, you know, writes about this, I mean, I, I fully embrace the tank. I mean, it, this is something that the Kaiser never fully gone through. They've never fully, truly embraced a rebuild in the team's history. They've done a lot of, hey, we're going to add like two or three guys and push the playoffs, i.e. like Taylor Hall, and it doesn't work out. So I, I think this is um, a good sign for the Kaiser. This is the first true time that Bill Armstrong, well, not just Bill Armstrong, but the Kaiser organization as a whole has come in and said, hey, you know, we need to strip things down. We need to start over from the beginning again. It's the only true way to actually get into a, to a place in which we can be a competitive team down the line. And I think they're doing that now. I think um, on roster, on the roster this year, I looked at the on, on paper, and the roster this year looked better than last season. And it kind of had me worried a little bit season beginning because I thought, you know, this team might actually be decent enough they could steal some games in which they shouldn't be stealing, i.e., like, Colorado, like Boston, you know, like Toronto. some of the games they've had this year, Toronto. So <laughs> when I looked at the roster originally, I thought this team could be a top three pick again. But at the same time, I think they did too much work adding some, not wouldn't say key pieces, but guys who can get those scrappy goals like a Nick Bukestad, and it's going to end up hurting the Coyotes in the long run. Granted, we haven't seen the trade deadline come through. Uh, team is not going to go full fire sale mode here, but there's going to be some guys that are going to be gone at the trade deadline. This team is going to be probably a lot worse than they are, have been recently. Um, but, you know, it, it's like you guys said, I think uh, Columbus is going to be really hard to beat out for the first overall pick. I just think it's uh, Johnny Goudreau wanted to go play hockey and win somewhere. I guess it's not in Columbus. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to win something, potentially the first overall pick with the way they're playing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a crucial thing. Fans hate it. I, I have people that are giving me about my Chickering article saying that, he doesn't want to be moved. They shouldn't move him. I don't understand why we're doing this rebuild. And unless you want to be the Coyotes being purgatory for, you know, the next 10 years, this is the only way to get out of it is to truly embrace just losing yep. and being terrible for the future to be bright and all that. So I say bring the rebuild on. I think uh, next year is going to be a little bit more of a joyous year for Coyotes fans. We're going to be a little bit more into competing than we are going to be on a tanking losing method. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the future of this team. I think this is necessary in the process we're going. but. Uh, I know not everybody sees it that way, but, you know, if, if you want to see a Stanley Cup in Arizona in, like, 2027, 2028, you got to lose now to to set yourself up for that down the line. And also, those other opinions would be wrong because straight up, I, I've been a fan of this team since 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. I, I'm pretty sure everyone in this room knows just how bad they were that year, and it yep. wasn't even a year they were trying to be bad. They just they, – they were managed terribly. They've been consistently managed terribly – they had the 2010 through 2012 where some of those picks that in that rebuild did work out, you know, your Hansels, your Bodkers, but it was just a few guys that worked out and guys like Mueller, Turris didn't end up working out here. A bunch of other guys ended up getting traded out, moving on from whatever. And then you had a couple good years, then a lot of mediocrity going back to bad. They tried to rush out of that rebuild a little too early. And as much as exciting as it was to get Kessel, get Taylor Hall at the time, as exciting as it was even in the playoffs, they they weren't going to be a cup-level team. And I hate that I have to do that, but they just weren't. Maybe a second-round team, maybe you can be happy with that. You know, we don't really have success here, so that would be a success, but I want a cup. And everyone, at this point, if you are still saying the rebuild isn't necessary, I'm going to be blunt. Quite frankly, you don't know anything about hockey because they already tore it down last year, and the only remaining remainders of that core are Chikrin, who's already publicly requested a trade before the season started, already made those public comments. As soon as that was said, the relationship's over. Like, it is in, like, set in stone. Keller, 
Schmaltz, and Kraus. Other than that, everyone else is new. Everyone else is guys that they were starting to draft up or role players like, you know, Christian Fisher, guys like that. At this point, if you want to play the, oh, we, we shouldn't be re rebuilding game, oh, you want mediocrity because then let's just say this, this offseason they have all this cap space. Let's just say they get three of the top ten free agents because they can outbid because of the cap space. Let's just put it out there. They do it. Get all these great players. They're yeah, still Dylan they're Larkin, still Bo Horvat, uh, Bo Scorvat, <laughs> someone else, but they'd still be a wild card team. Yeah, barely. It may be a solid wild card team, a wild card number well, one. You are rushed your rebuild, and guess what? Now you're not going to win your cups. Especially if you if you sell off Chicken, Chikrin. Like I think if you if you lose that piece in the back end, like you don't have. Like as much as I like Moser, he's still very much underdeveloped. Like he still needs to develop. He is not a all-star caliber defenseman yet. Whereas I, I do think that Chikrin is starting to approach that that level of all-star, you know. And if you don't have any of those pieces, like you need to have an unreal top six. You know, it, it can be done. Like we look at the first cup that the uh that the um uh, Pittsburgh Penguins won when they lost Latang on the back end, and you looked at that back end, you're like, who is the, you know, who are these guys? Like these are a bunch of nobodies, and they got it done. And you know, it, it can be done, but you have to have like, you know, game changing, altering talent in the Malkin front end. Yeah, in your in your top well, six, well, even, which we don't have. <laughs> well, even arguably that first cup, you know, Phil Kessel should have absolutely won the Conn Smythe, but he got snuffed by Crosby, like. You know, and th that was another guy who had an unreal playoff. So, you know, th there there had to be a bunch of game changers in the front end, and we definitely don't have that. We don't have, you know, a game changer in the back end if Chikrin goes. So, like, yeah, pump the brakes, some Coyotes fans, on the excitement for next year. You know, I, I do see the excitement. They want to see the winning, but I don't expect them to be anywhere close to the playoffs. <laughs> I think that they are going to, I think that they're going to maybe hit like 10th from the bottom, but I don't, I don't see them being anywhere close to a wild card spot. I am going to vehemently disagree with Yanis Moser. Cause I, I just on the defensive end offensively. Yeah. He's just like, he provides decent depth, but not like your chicken game changer. But yeah. I was saying defensively, this kid is probably like, like the second coming of, of, Sabinic McCulloch. Like once he hits his absolute peak, he's people are gonna be saying he's as good defensively as McCulloch. You heard it here, you like heard that. it here first, guys. Matt is comparing <laughs> an all-star defenseman to Zabinic McCulloch. That is that is his his gold standard. Zabinic McCulloch right is literally the, the greatest defensive defenseman in Coyotes history. I will stand <laughs> by that. I, I'm gonna say top ten defensive defensemen of me. NHL Excuse all time me. because I don't care. This team had Nicholas Grossman, okay? Don't you disrespect <laughs> Nicholas Nolan Grossman. Yonkman. They had some rights back in the day. But, no, so I'm going to disagree a little bit with, with Moser. I, I still think, like, this kid is good. He's top two easily. I think on most teams, he's at least top four. But there is still some development to be had. He's still not perfect. There, He's yeah. still a, a point there. But when I look at the rest of the roster, love Dylan Gunther. He's super underdeveloped. He has those mm -hmm. games. He looks great. Those shifts, he looks unstoppable. Those games where it looks like he's just kind of going through the motions or he's struggling a little bit. He's a rookie. He's 19. Yeah. Like, uh, you expect that. That is what it is. So it's like, he wouldn't be the game changer yet. Cooley's going to have the same thing next year. 
We also don't know how Matias Pacelli is, is going to finish the season. He's He looked okay since he's come back, but I really don't know if they're babying him a little bit or if he's just it's going to take a little bit of time to get back to where he was. You missed some time. Well, well to know, be injury. fair, I, I know that you missed uh, yesterday's game, and yesterday's yeah. game, he looked actually really, really good. He was making yeah. passes like to people that had no reason to be like scoring opportunities you know you could see like he he's making like perfect like setup plays and then his line mates were just like i have stone hands <laughs> like you know like <laughs> wasn't he on the third line last night um, yeah he played some third played some fourth line kind of alternate between yeah yeah so they're he, babying him a little bit then yeah he looked yeah. he looked really good and, and 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 i know that they are trying to develop gunner on that line with kraus and bukestad but they really need to put michelli back on that line because they played Michele so and well kraus together are perfect like kraus uh, and keller are good michelli and, and kraus are probably a little better together than even kraus and, and keller were i think uh i think that they're pretty solid i feel like they're a little too north southy for me like they just like love to race but i guess that's it is what it is when you have the zone entry gods that is kraus or sorry uh, keller and schmaltz who love to, <laughs> to just zone entry and hook and you know hit trailers and and stuff like that you know but ultimately i i do i do uh like i i really like them it's just uh, the one thing is, is like a lot of their offense just comes off of just rushing, breaking the zone early, stuff like that. Well, at least they're a little better than Yans. I remember Yans would be the zone entry god, and then as soon as he passed the blue line, it would, I would feel like he didn't know what he was doing anymore. Kind of like his, his brain would reset roughly half the time once he crossed the blue line. He just, I don't know what to do. You're either getting a, a weak shot on net, or he's like trying to turn the puck back over to the the blue line that's coming back out of the zone. So at least we got we got some elite zone entry there, but you need a little more than just that. So mm -hmm. I, I, let's talk about this trade deadline coming up. I want to okay. see, I want to reevaluate some values, go over some rumors, and guys, you you can see or not see moving because uh, well something that Steve Peters said last night on that post game show kind of made me reevaluate just a little bit where he said this roster might not be as turned over as we originally thought post-trade deadline. So I want to get your guys' thoughts. Do you still think it's going to be a fire sale, or do you think it's going to be a little underwhelming from what we expect going into this season? Um, underwhelming. Yeah. The, 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 the hard part is that I think everybody's trying to race for, to the bottom, and you have probably a solid 10 teams that want to move at least like three guys which is a lot. And unfortunately with the way the cap situation is like, there's just no space. There's literally no space. So I think that this is going to, in a market standpoint, sorry, excuse me. I have to sneeze, but it's not coming out. So I guess we're just, we're riding it. <clears throat> oh God. It's the worst. Okay. I, I, I think, <laughs> I think that, um, I think that the you know the problem is is that you know you you're gonna have so many guys on the market but just nowhere to go with them and that's going to drive down the prices like significantly right supply and demand and when market. you yeah when you have too much on the market like it's just gonna end up driving the prices down which it is what it is I think the the Coyotes obviously are willing to probably go pretty low on some other picks and stuff the 
hard part is that they only have two retainment slots because of the OEL contract. And, uh, you know, the curious thing is, is like, if you want to get big names done and get them onto teams, you're going to have to do the, you know, send them to this team so that they can retain and then send them to the actual desired team. And, you know, looking at the roster, like, there's some guys on here who you might want to retain yourself. So like Goss for instance, 4.5 million, probably not going to be able to get moved unless you retain on that. So that's one retainer down. You're only down to one. You know, there's there's some mock trades out there that I've I've seen. Let's say like Patrick Kane, for instance, you want to get him onto a team like the Blackhawks would 50% retain and then he could end up on the Coyotes where they could retain and get like a fourth for it or whatever to get him onto his desired team. Um, I ain't helping the Blackhawks for a fourth. I don't care. I'm driving that price right back up if it's Chicago. If you want me to retain on Kane, you're giving me a first. I don't care what year I ain't retaining for a fourth round pick. All right. Well, when when I I, when I look at this, I'm just saying like just in general, like players, (laughs) you know, I I get your your begrudgingness towards the uh, the Hawks. But just like when, when you're talking about like those big contracts that need to get moved to get players on like that's a, that is a strategy that can be done. And unfortunately <laughs> the remnants of uh, OEL still sits in the way with uh, such a know, great contract, by like the that. way, I remember everyone telling me at the time, what a phenomenal contract that was. And I was like the only person that was like, yeah, they shouldn't resign him. Like his defensive ability is not as good as, as it used to be. His offense has gone down. It's not worth resigning him. I saw the writing on the wall and everyone said what an idiot I was. I was like, oh, that contract's going to age terribly. It's a bad contract. Nah, it's going to be great. And now it's haunting us later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our guest, uh, would you like to, to hop in here? I want to give you some talking time. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's going to be, I wouldn't say underwhelming would be my word, but I don't think it's going to be a whole fire. So, I mean, yeah, teams are racing to get to the bottom. But like you said, the cat space plays a big part in trades and a lot of teams in the top don't have the cat space to take guys on. So the guys are going to have to work to retain some salary here. Um, I think realistically, I think anybody outside of, in my, in my opinion, I think outside of probably Prowse Keller and maybe Schmaltz, everybody else is pretty much available. Obviously none of your younger guys like Gunther and Michelli, but I think anybody else for the right price could be moved on this team if they want to. Um, I think realistically, your top three guys that probably will get moved will obviously be your two big ones in Ghost and Chick. But I think Nick Bukestad could also play in here as a dark horse candidate gets moved. Um, he's having a good enough season that I think a team could pull him for a, a third line pairing there for uh, a playoff push. Um, but I, I, I don't think this is a team that's going full fire sale mode at the uh, deadline. Um, I just and it's no offense that I don't think that the Coyotes are can't lose with what they have now because we've seen them lose 10 in a row with the roster they have now. So I don't think it's it, it changes anything if we don't move any guys besides, you know, the big two. But um, I just – I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams calling. I mean, the asking price for Chikrin is, is a big one. Um, whoever ends up paying for that and takes them, um, that's a big name off the market. There might not be a lot of other teams that want to call for any of the players off the Coyotes besides Ghost and Chick after what the Coyotes are asking in return for them. But, um, you know, it's interesting to see. I mean, the deadline really uh, surprised a lot of people. I mean, you could have the Coyotes come into this and walk away training five guys. I mean, they could walk in and trade only two guys. I mean, you never really know what's going to happen. But um, 
I, I think it is going to be interesting to see where the Coyotes maybe take some contracts on, some salary retaining there to help out some deals. They've done it before. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is this is the probably one of the more fun times of the year for teams like us that aren't competing for a playoff spot. This is probably one of the more fun times of the year to see who we all move off, who we're getting in return for the rebuild in the future. So, uh, like it's been said before, and I know you guys probably mentioned it, whoever we can get in this is essentially going to be trying to take off a year of the rebuild. I mean, that's what we're going for here in, in a chick and a ghost trade is trying to get a year off this rebuild. So, we'll see what happens. And unfortunately, while I still do believe the markets are different, so for for Ghost, it's going to be a rental. Like, yeah, you might be like, hey, you could fit in later, but you're looking at a rental. Chikrin's a guy that if you acquire, you're, you're going to want to essentially have him be part of your decor. But no, it's technically two different markets, but it's also two big-name offensive defensemen or two-way defensemen. Uh, they also could affect the value of each other. Although I, I think you can maximize ghost value if you retain and or take back a bad contract in exchange. So mm-hmm. That way it's like, because I know uh, Bill Armstrong was talking about it on the PHNX podcast when he was on. It's a lot of money in, money out. And when when you're, for whatever reason, these, these GMs keep signing all the way up to the cap all the time constantly under the assumption that the cap's always going up. And then despite the fact we've been in a cap crunch for, I think, three years now, they still kept doing it this offseason. So it's, it's one of the weirdest things that we're still in this gigantic cap crunch of, oh, man, uh, we're going to have to nickel and dime. Uh, we're going to have to do a couple paper transactions to make sure we're cap compliant. So it, it's that I, I just thought that was funny. But I, I have a question I, for the two of you. Um, go for it. It, let's say because uh, Ghost just got injured, you know, and he's going to be out four to six weeks. You know, I, I know some people have said that it, that the injury won't, you know, account for the deadline. Like he probably should still get traded by the deadline. But let's say just hypothetically that no team decides to to trade for him. Uh, do you let him walk into free agency or, or are you going to look into maybe re-signing him? What are, what are your, your guys' opinions on that? How good he's been and how good it seems like he is in the locker room. Chick's gone regardless, whether it takes this deadline or the offseason. He is gone. I think you re-sign him. I think you try to get him on at least a three-year contract because you still, whenever defensemen get older, you still want to be mindful of how of how much term. But I, I think you at least want to get him for three more years. That's a, that's a damn good veteran presence in the locker room. And he's still good and he can eat up those minutes for you. You're not going to give him the Alex Kulagoski treatment? No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> I love ghosts, but no, sir. <laughs> Go ahead, Hans. I want to um, hear your, your thoughts on this. No, I mean, I mean, you're right there. I mean, a, a guy like that, we've seen too many times in, in, in most sports where you let a guy walk like that for absolutely nothing. The Red Sox and them will be a perfect example of a team that's let guys walk, big-name guys. And that's the last thing the guys need to be doing here. I mean, you're going to be – like we've said, that you're going to be a team that's going to be competitive of sorts next year, but you're not going to be a playoff team next year. Um, losing your two top defensemen, one to a trade, and then laying the other one walk in free agency if he's hypothetically not trade at the deadline, um, that hurts you a lot. The, the guys don't have many defensive prospects in the pipeline waiting. Victor Soderstrom hasn't so far panned out in his career. I mean, J.J. Moser's getting up there. We don't have many Maverick Lamaru need some time to condition. I mean, it, you don't have many big name guys in the in the pipeline to fill in D. So if I'm the Coyotes and you can't get a deal done, yeah, I'm resigning him. I'm resigning him to a two or three year contract. If he has another good next year, next year, and we have him on the team still, trade him then when he's healthy. I think um, 
there's going to be teams ultimately who are going to come calling for him. I think it's just – I know the injury's in the way, but I think uh, I think timeline-wise he'd be back like right after like a week or so after the deadline ends he'd be back from injury. So I think there's not going to be uh, – I think there's going to be some teams that are going to still take the chance of going after him if, if he's going to be back that early right after the deadline. Um, but – yeah, like you said, I mean, if he doesn't if he doesn't get traded, I mean, re-sign him. He's a great veteran presence in the locker room. He could teach a lot of these young guys coming in uh, the ways of, you know, being a top six defenseman and all that. But uh, it, it is. It's going to be interesting to see what they do there. I, I ultimately think he does get moved regardless. But if he doesn't, I think he gets signed back and he does get moved ultimately in a year or so still if he's on the team next season. What what team do you think he gets moved to? Like, n- let's not think about, like, what the return will be. What what team yeah. do you think he'll get moved to? Uh, you know, there's a couple out there that I think could use some some d- defensive ends right there. I think uh, some teams that kind of stand out to me right away that I think are playoff pushers that you could maybe see, maybe take a shot there. I think uh, uh, Boston's got a great back end, but I think adding a guy like Ghost would be a huge addition for him. I'm to, you know, the defensive core you already have now. I think teams like Florida, for sure Florida, they have probably one of the worst defensive cores outside of uh, Aaron Eckblad. I probably couldn't tell you many other guys on that defensive core, <laughs> especially like Mackenzie Weger are getting traded during the offseason. So I think uh, that's a big one. Um, you know, also you could say the big-name guys like Tampa and stuff like that. Tampa also doesn't have the cap space to make the move. I think Vegas, if they could find a way to shed some contract, could maybe add him in. I think he'd be a great guy. You could slot in the top four there. I think there's ultimately – most teams are going to be in play for him if they want to go after him. But I ultimately think if I had to choose a destination today, if you told me who do you think right now would pull a trigger on a trade that could use him, would be Florida. And that's just because of where their defensive core is at. Adding a guy like Ghost is, yeah, in a veteran age, but he's uh, this would easily be your second best defense after Eggblad. What about Pittsburgh? Yep. Pittsburgh could sl- slide in there for sure as well. Because yep. Pittsburgh sounds like a team that could always, obviously, always use a, that. Uh, defensive depth, but also for whatever reason, they they want to keep kicking the can down on starting the rebuild because you still have uh, Crosby there, so they you remake your veterans. So they're they're kind of bought in completely to having to compete. I, I think that a guy like Ghost could completely like help them with that because he's still playing damn well. Like he's still a really good yeah. two way defenseman. Yeah, and with, with all the health conditions that are going on with Latang, it makes a lot of sense. Like it, it's you know. Obviously, we we hope Latang a uh, stays healthy, but with all the the health problems that he's having, like it, it makes a lot of sense to put him in on the defense for for Pittsburgh. If you know anything were to cause Latang to come out of the lineup again, like he would absolutely be able to sit on that first line and be able to take uh, some of that role responsibility. You know, oh. and real fast, you could throw St. Louis on there too. I know we're we're oh, talking about teams are for a playoff push, and, and I know they're heading towards that area too. But I mean, they've already been thrown in conversation for a chicken trade. They have the pieces, Joel Hofer. They have a lot of young guys they could bring back. Brumich could come back to Arizona. I think if St. Louis somehow can get the wheels turning and they can get themselves maybe where they're competing for a wild card spot in the next few weeks, lean up to the deadline. And they don't want to pay the price for chicken. I think they could go for Goss easily. I think they have a. They don't really have much defensive core outside of you know Krug and um, Pareko. So I think, and those guys are you know they're dealing with injuries every now and then. So I think uh, if they if they are in a spot to compete for a playoff spot and they want to spend the money but they don't want to go after Chick, um, I think they could easily try to call and maybe see about getting Ghost in return. And I want to talk about Florida for a second. I actually think they'd be a perfect chicken candidate, not just because. 
the the local boy connection, but because you have this team that they should be competing. They won the President's Trophy last year. They should be a really good team still. And if that defensive core is as kind of battered or kind of stitched together as it is, a a good stabilizing presence for a guy like Chick. But I think the problem is because Chick has had injury issues as well, and they have you know, Ekblad on the team, they also could be a little apprehensive to pull the trigger on, on a trade like that. But I still think that would be a perfect destination for Chicker because it works both ways. They got some young pieces. They don't have for, first for a while, but they got some young pieces we can make work, and then they would be able to get a top, you know, two defensemen, top four defensemen that would really help stabilize them. For me, I, I got to say, I got, or a team that I really think is going to be under the radar for uh, Ghosts going to, I think Washington would be really sick. I think Washington like would be kind of cool. That's just me though. That's just you, Richie. That's just me. Did we ask? I'm curious to see, <laughs> you know, a new kid on the block. I'm curious to see what Seattle does. You know, first in the Pacific, they've, you know, done the the right thing in not trying to compete at the very beginning. They sucked so that they could get Maddie Beneers and and uh you know grow as a team. I, I'm really curious to see what Seattle does. You know, I I wonder what what they're thinking if they want to make like a deep run, if they're going to be uh, players in the uh, the deadline. You know, well, if they want to make that run, they got a couple of good prospects, and I'm like, hey, Coyotes love good prospects. <laughs> <laughs> well, even even still, like we, you know, we we're talking about Bugstad getting traded, like. You want mm-hmm. like depth, you know. That's a pretty damn good place to go. Is is to Seattle for for depth reasons. So, what if it's a Bukestad and Ghost trade? Because if you think about it, you're you're bolstering both your defense and your middle six. And Bukestad's shown he could still play top six, which I kind of hate yep. because uh, he's he's helping this team a little too much offensively. But <laughs> you know, the, he's a damn good player, and he, he could still play that top six role to think with ghost still being able to play a top four role so no matter where you slot him in you know we have an injury this guy can come right in and make an impact i think that depend uh, forgot a team like seattle for other teams maybe they're looking for the same kind of bolstering i think maybe a package deal could also work because then you also have money in money out you have a couple contracts going out you can bring in like a really bad contract or a couple middling contracts it's like hey they got a direct upgrade we got 32 year old and 35 year old billy bob joe and then uh, some some second and third round picks for our trouble yeah absolutely i'm i'm, I'm curious i'm gonna watch a l- pretty closely on seattle i i'm curious to see what they decide to go with um they do also i'm trying to pull up stuff here they do have uh two other second round picks including their own so three total um you know they, they have assets to move this uh this deadline so and we also have assets we would like to move this deadline hey seattle I may yeah. not be your biggest fan as a city, but like we we can make a deal, you know. Like we'll we'll, we'll be eco friendly. We'll recycle some players and some assets, but we'll get it done. Let's do this. All right, all right. What's our next topic, boys? Because I I, I I I got a little dig I want to give at NHL.com. Oh, <laughs> I, I I think you're free to to start digging, my friend. So, uh, do do you, do you all see this phenomenal? Jackery McPain jersey behind me. This this beautiful number twenty two. Did do, do, do you notice anything weird about it? Can I, can anyone I, see that? I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> so some uh, 
I, I can't fully see it, but something doesn't look right about the uh, the font there on the numbers. One of the twos looks like substantially larger and wider than the other one does. Yes, yeah. sir. Give me a second. And uh, and uh, the one on the right is a, a little crooked. <laughs> one might say. Personally, I think it's because I I am the kind of person that will just look for a coupon code before checking out. That's that's what I do. And I, I ended up getting it where essentially tax didn't exist on it. But 200 bucks apparently gets you a nice uh, dryer ran through Jackery McPain jersey. That as soon as I saw it, I actually, I'll, I'll admit this live on camera, it wasn't a yell, but I did get a little a little frustrated with the wife. And I asked her if she, if she washed it and threw it in the dryer because that's what it looks like. It looks like it went through the dryer. Yeah. And, and uh, I... Look, the, the, the Fanatics employee was great. The the replacement's already shipped. From what I could, they didn't tell me to ship this one back, so you if you see me going to games or events, I'm probably just going to wear this for the lulls. Uh, but that, that that's what you get for 200 bucks nowadays, boys. You get Mick Payne. Well, you know, they're just keeping it true to the, uh, to the, the, the backing, right? Bring on the McPain, so they they made sure to run it through the the washer, make sure it was nice and clean. You know what it was? It was probably worn by McBain. It had blood on it, and they they just need to need to clean off that blood for you. That's that's all it was. I'm sure. All right, boys, I'm back. I don't oh, wear pants when I record. It's normally too too hot in my house in in this office. So yeah, I'm not standing up. Not standing up without <laughs> pants. That's on the uh, that's on the OnlyFans account. You can uh, follow yeah, us at yeah, Desert Moon Hockey. On. <laughs> Desert Hockey OnlyFans. I put I have this weird, uh, weirdly grown big toe, and I show pictures of that every now and again. That gets all <laughs> all the ladies just swooning. <laughs> all right. So is any, any other topics, or you want to get into I, some miscellaneous stuff? I just hop into miscellaneous because I I don't have any topics, man. It was it was a rough week for me when it comes to uh, job stuff. So I did not get much time to like watch anything. And that works out for me because I can just gush about ASU hockey some more. Uh, because I my my uh, my big three on ASU right now has to be TJ Septonfelter, Robert Master Simone, and of course one Joshua Doan. And uh, to the point where I'm probably going to buy jerseys for all three of them, which is not cheap because they it's 90 bucks to customize a jersey, and I, I am baffled by that, but what are you going to do? There is no alternate option. And considering you know one of them is drafted by Detroit, one of them was undrafted, and, and goaltending last year for the draft was just kind of seen as notoriously bad. Like it was a bad year to draft a goaltender last year. I think there was, what, three goaltenders that were commonly talked about and everyone said none of them had like starter potential. It was max like fringe starter or kind of one A one B type scenario. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that's going to change going into this season. Like, I know I'm really high on, high on TJ, and it's something that if he gets drafted this year, it's probably going to be like a fourth round draft. It wouldn't be very high, maybe third if you got a team that's really high on him. But if you, are you guys paying attention to any goalies? You guys think the the goalie situation turns around bigger this year than it was last year? Because I'm going to assume a lot of like the residual COVID stuff in shorter seasons had to have helped you know, contribute to last year's mediocre goaltending class. I have one goalie that I think 
is a free agent. I think theoretically can sign anywhere. I, I, I think he's still in juniors and all that. He's been turned over the last two or three drafts because of his size. Um, Brett Brochu plays for the, uh, the Ontario or the London Knights and the OHL and all that. Um, Stat-wise, I've looked at this kid. He's a really, really, really solid goalie. I think if, if the right team takes a chance on him, I think he has a really bright future in the NHL. But he's been passed over so many drafts. I think it's because of his size. He's a five ten goalie. You know, usually your goalies you're looking at guys who are you know six two or taller. Uh, he's he's a small goalie. He's on the smaller side, but he makes up with it with his skill and his agility. I mean, this kid is a very agile goalie. Uh, playmaking wise, he's very smart. He reads the puck really well. I think he's a guy that um, if he's if I'm right and he's still a free agent, if I'm the Coyotes and I'm looking to maybe bolster my goalie department down for the line and all that for the future. I look at Brett Brochu. I think it's like a Cole Caulfield situation with a young guy. And we're well, not a young guy, a small guy. And there's a reason why so many people pass on Cole Caulfield is the size. They were worried about it. And we see Cole Caulfield has been a really good player so far in, in the short time he's been in the NHL. I think Brett Brochu has that same chance. I think if you bring him in, give him a chance to play some NHL minutes, give him a couple years to develop and all that, just give him that shot that he's not getting. I think he, there's a bright future for this kid if, if you take the risk on him. So this kid might end up being an Anson Thornton type who wasn't drafted but shows yep. up at, at some random team's uh, training camp and is like, you know what? We'll give you an ELC. No one's no one's drafted yes. yet. We'll, go, we'll we'll fix that. <laughs> I got to double check and see. I'm gonna look while you guys are talking, but I'm nine percent sure he's still a free agent. I'm looking to make sure though, because right, uh, all, all I know is that. Usually, if you have a really bad year for like defensemen or goaltending or whatever, like it, it has to bounce back at some point. And last year, like, was kind of comically bad when I'm trying to listen to different draft videos and, and content so I can actually learn a little bit about some of these prospects. And they can only list off like three goaltenders. And that, that seems a little weird to me. It just seemed a little kind of out there. But then again, just using TJ as an example. Uh, last year, I forget which college he, he played at, but he was behind, I think, one of the top two or three goalies in the NCAA. So he was a backup, and then he moves over to ASU, and he gets to flourish as a starter. So you also could have a lot of situations where guys are stuck behind certain goalies. I, yes, yeah. he's still a free agent. He's 20 years old. He's he's uh, real fast stat-wise. He is uh, – he is in his third year of the OHL. His first year, he posted a 32 and six record for a 2.40 uh, goals against average and a 9.19 save percentage. 2021-2022 uh, season, he had a 2.75 goals against average and a 9.11 save percentage. He was 29-11 and two. And this year, his save percentage has gone down a little bit, but he's still posting relatively decent numbers this year. I think it's weighing on him just not getting drafted. Probably messing with his head some. He's Got two six three goals against average and a nine or seven save percentage. He's currently twenty twelve and one right now. I think the problem a lot of scouts are going to see is it, you already had the size issue, and then it's like, yep. oh, well, his save percentage keeps going down, even though it's still yep. good. It's above nine hundred. That's where you want your goalies to be. But I also noticed this concept where it, if you're not dominating X level competition, if you're not dominating club hockey you're probably not good enough to play NCAA. If you're not dominating NCAA, you're probably not good enough to be ECHL or AHL. If you're not dominating those leagues, you might not be good enough to be NHL. So they, they, there could be a worry there, which also tells me if a team takes a chance on him and he, he runs with that chance, that team gets a steal, like an yeah. absolute steal, if he gets a chance and runs with it. Yep. yep. What were you saying, Richie? Um, I, I was just saying... Um... 
it's so fascinating to me that like how sold like uh, general managers are with goaltenders having to be over six foot. Like, oh, they have to be six four and big and lanky and take up most of the net. And you know, we we see like you know, Yusuf Saros, for instance, is like the golden boy of of short kings for being a, a short goaltender. And you know, there's different play styles with having a big goalie and a small goalie. And uh, I'm surprised that more teams, like as we see this like. 1A, 1B kind of thing starting to flow with goaltenders. Uh, We're seeing less of like the, oh, we're going to hand, you know, carry price money. We're going to hand out, um, uh, what's his name in Florida? Uh, Oh, uh, Sergey. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, handing out 10 mil to Sergey Bobrovsky. Like, we're not really seeing that anymore in the NHL. We're seeing a lot of like, we're going to have two very solid goalies. Like, why, why more teams don't have, like, here's our short goalie that's, like, great for, like, down low play, and then, like, here's our big goalie that's, that can just, like, butterfly in the middle of the net, right? Like, I can answer that very, very easily. As a short, fat, not that great-looking guy myself, uh, GMs and women are very similar in the regard of it doesn't matter what you bring to the table or how good you are on the ice. If you're not six foot tall, they're going to have a lot of doubts and a lot of questions. So what so, you're telling me is they're swiping <laughs> on the Tinder profiles. Or, what I'm so. saying is, look, if you're like me, short, fat, not that great looking, don't get on Tinder to begin with. So if, you're going to have to go the alternate route if you're a short goalie. Or you're going to have to be like this insane, coked out, like 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 monkey man that can just make ridiculous athletic saves that makes the, the GM say, you know what? I'll, I'll waste my seventh rounder on you. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, uh, I don't know what else to talk about. I'll be real with you. It's been kind of a slow week. So it is what it is. You know, we had to talk about else tanking. All right. I, 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 I love the topic of tanking because we, we you always see the... I'll just call them the the entitled fans. So it's, it's the fan bases that are the big markets, the big you know money generators. Your Torontos, your Rangers that are like, oh, we need some sort of luxury tax system. Oh, tanking is bad. Oh, you know these teams should be forced to try. What they really want is more like easy competition to to go against without having to like, oh hey you you beat up on on the on the kid that 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 has a broken leg already kind of thing. But it's also like, hey, we want to be able to have more great players on our team that we could pilfer from other teams. So it's this weird mindset where it's like they hate tanking, which they should love because it makes these teams want to get rid of their better players. But then they also, it's like they want to hoard all the best players for themselves while saying tanking's bad because you should force teams to try. So I want to talk about tanking because I think tanking is a net positive. Right? You have the benefit of these teams... We're going to move on from the players you probably shouldn't move on from, which makes some of the better teams better if you're going for playoff runs. And the, the smaller market teams are typically the ones that do the tanking. Uh, right now, same exact money. We're, we're going to exclude stuff like taxes and whatnot, just same exact dollar amount. Are you going to play in Toronto or are you going to play in Sunrise? Just as a, as a general thing, if you're a hockey, hockey player you know, through and through, let's even say you're a Canadian boy. You two right now, you're getting the offer, same money from the Florida Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Where are you going? Well, I, 
did you say excluding taxes or, or including excluding taxes? taxes. Yeah. I know me and you, we're going to Florida or Arizona. <laughs> I mean, I know where I'm going. I'm maximizing <laughs> my profits, baby. But, you know, I it, it's a funny question because it's, you know, I, I think that there are some players that absolutely will be willing to go to Toronto just because of more experience there, more, you know, more fans. You could, if you solidify yourself as like a, a, a lovable guy there like you can get brand deals and stuff like that obviously that is true that's not let's not kid ourselves like the 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 potential is way better in toronto but at the same time it's a double-edged sword you suck for a week you're going to get pitchforked out of the city so it, it's a back and forth right like if you're a brand new player i think you want to go to toronto if you're a new kid and you want you're just like enamored and you're you're in love with just being in the nhl i think you're wanting to go to toronto but if you've been in the, the league for a few years and you've been burned by a couple of or by your your original team i think a lot of people look at at florida and they go man i don't have to deal with all the bs that i dealt with you know in boston or or whatever you know like I, I can go there, just play my game, have a good time. It, it's a very similar atmosphere to the Coyotes in that sense where you, you're not getting begrudged and belittled and, and whatnot. Um, so I, th- I oh, excuse me, ultimately for, for me, I would say I would want to play in Florida. Personally, I, I, <laughs> I hate the cold, man. I, uh, there's a reason I'm wearing my toque right now in, in Arizona and Phoenix, you know, like while wearing I, shorts and a T-shirt. You're yeah, a very seriously. Man. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, I, I hate the cold. I don't I like I, I've come to the terms that I don't want to shovel snow. And uh, if I can not do that, I will absolutely go and play, uh, you know, on a Florida beach and and hang out in the summer sun. That or the you know the Sunrise sun and the winter, I say. So what you're saying is you'd rather be around a bunch of old people than be <laughs> around Toronto, which is pretty basic. I'm good actually. with the old people. Hey, okay? take her away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it. it I want to say first off, like you guys had said, it does come down to the decision. Wise comes down to I think if you're a young guy in the league, you want the media exposure right away. You go to Toronto. If you're a guy who's played for a while and you want to get away from me exposure, go to Florida. Phil Kessel, perfect example of that. Guy who got bombarded by the media late in his career with the Maple Leafs. Came to Arizona. First thing he had to say, I really like not being bombarded by a guy. I like kind of not having the media always around me, on me 24-7 after every game for every mistake I made. Um, So if if I had to choose, I'd go to Florida. And it's not because I have any problems with Toronto. I think Toronto would be a great city to go and visit. I think it would be a great city to get great hockey exposure. Canada's a big hockey area, honestly. But um, I think as a young guy, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. I'd rather go to an area where maybe I'm not going to be as scrutinized by the media, by other by the fan base if I mess up. So I think as a young guy, if you're coming to the league, you'd rather go to a market where you're not going to be pitchfork for every little mistake you make, which is going to gonna happen as a young kid. And and a perfect example of a young kid who did that is Michael Bunting. And now Grenty's not very young, but you know, in, young in his career in the NHL, you know, he was on the Coyotes, decided to take his uh, free agency, and uh, went to back home to Toronto. And uh, you know, he he's definitely proven himself there. And I I I think he's probably going to end up making more because of that decision than if he would have played with the coyotes I, I i don't think anybody can deny that like when you look at the numbers and the points that he's putting up there the 
the attention, the eyes that are all on him, that he's absolutely going to get decent money um, because of that decision versus playing in Arizona where he probably doesn't get the exposure. He probably doesn't get that ice time with the, that good of players. Like, you know, you, you're not taking Nick Schmaltz off to put Bunting and Keller together. It's just the the likelihood of that happening is, is not going to happen. So being able to uh, slot in on the, the, the wing with, with Matthews and Marner, like that's, you know, that's huge for your career. Yeah, he'll he'll make a lot more money, but also just to kind of put a period at the end of that statement, um, Matias Michelli called a race. Who? You ask literally a hundred national media, you know, for for hockey. Who? Who who's Matias Michelli? Despite the fact he's the rookie assist leader, and uh, I think if you look at points per game, what he's two. Is yeah, he one or two in, in points he's per still, game? Like he's, he's, he's still, still really high. Yeah. Obviously, Matty Veneers is up here, but I, I've heard other names thrown around that I'm like, yeah, he's playing well, but Michelli's still playing better. So it's like just a period at the end of that is just look at a, a Calder race like that, and it's like, yeah, if you're playing here, you're not going to get the exposure. Even Phil Kessel was crying about it when he when he went to, to Vegas, crying about not winning and then not getting exposure, which is funny because he got too much exposure and then gets mad he doesn't get enough exposure because here on, on Desert Moon Hockey Podcast, we think Phil Kessel is a, a, is a, a grown child, but Getting back on the topic of tanking. So that that's how you're going to get small markets to get these these top talents, these, these yeah, good I players. Mean, because a perfect example unless that you're too in is, a situation is, like this right here. I, I was going to say perfect like, example. That is Gaudreau. Like, that's a huge win for mm-hmm. Columbus. Even if they've they've sucked this year, like, he, he's going to be good in years' time. Like, and they, they have a mm-hmm. lot of good young talent that's still learning and growing. Yeah, and and look, as much as I as I memed yesterday that I don't like Columbus anymore because they stole Lane Peterson on waivers, the Coyotes weren't taking him back. But I like Lane Peterson. You better treat him well, by the way. Kid's good, anyway. But you know, the, you're not in general unless you're in a cap crunch like we've been in the last couple of years. And I think it's kind of semi-related why we're getting a, a Goodrow going to a smaller market right now of all times it, is because. If the same cap is there, everyone has the same amount of space, maybe you have a little more, a little less, but you can offer the same money, or you go into Columbus, or you go into Vancouver even, or you go into Boston, or you go into Nashville, or you go into Phoenix, or you go into Toronto. Nine times out of ten, the, the, those bigger markets attract. Now, you might have some guys like me, if, if you're giving me, like, I, I'm a country boy. All right? I, I love country music. I, I like being out in the middle of nowhere because I'm a weirdo. If you give me Nashville versus uh, Boston, I'm going to Nashville. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want them weird Bostoners around me. But so like, y- you're gonna get anomalies like me, but anomalies like me aren't very talented. I'm just, I'm just a fat, you know, fat, fat short guy, you know, t- talking on, on a podcast. I'm not a hockey player. I'm not. Not scoring your forty goals. I don't add any value to your franchise. So the the most effective way to really rebuild and then make yourself an attractive destination is through the draft because you can't do it via free agency, except for the last couple of years where some smaller markets had the opportunity to get some of those better players. But even then, you're in general not going to get. If there's twenty really good free agents. You are not getting the top ten of them. Just straight up, they're not going to answer your calls or they're not even going to consider your offer. The, the best you're going to hope for is like the 12th or 15th best free agent. 
and that doesn't really help build your team the way you want it. So you build are you it the draft me, the right way. Are you telling me <laughs> we're not we're not picking up Dylan Larkin in free agency? Unfortunately, <laughs> we're not we're not getting Bo Scorvat. We are getting Austin Matthews. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna use our Johnny Gaudreau move on Austin mm-hmm. Matthews only because he wants to come back home. He I, won't admit it because nobody wants to be a locker room cancer. Nobody is ever going to say, even John Tavares, I still stand by. He he liked playing in Long Island. He liked the market. He probably meant that, that yeah, he would like to stay there. But if you, the more attractive going home offers right there, I don't care Long Island. I'm going back to, to my, my Maple Leafs jammies. I, I do got to say, like, it is very much a pipe dream with the Matthews memes. Um, mm-hmm. just by the way, two Nylanders up that year as well. Like, I think that honestly, what, what's probably going to happen is that the Maple Leafs are just going to probably let Nylander walk in free agency and probably give Austin Matthews, like whatever monopoly money he wants. You can trade him in the off season and get something back. I don't think then you also free up the cap space immediately to get it someone else to add to your, to your lineup. I don't think they're going to trade. I don't think they're going to trade Nylander. I think that they're going to just run until, until he hits free agency. I personally like, cause they're so desperate for wins in the playoffs. Like if they, if they get bumped again this year in the first round, like maybe then you could see Nylander just getting traded just because they're, you know, they're, they're just like F it. We're blowing it up. But like, if they win like a couple rounds this year, and, and I, I still believe they can't like I, I believe I had them going to the Stanley Cup finals last year and losing to Calgary. Simp. OK, I, I will Simp. I will I will remind everybody of that and, and how incredibly wrong I was. But, I'll remind you that you should never bet on a Canadian team to win a cup. All right. As, as long it's, as it's I've been alive, eventually. the Canadian I, team it, has not won a cup. Same here. And I think eventually <laughs> it will happen. And when it does, you will be. You will be shocked. Okay. It better not be Montreal or Toronto. I I can handle a- Edmonton's a little weird, but like I can handle them winning. Uh, I kind of like Calgary a little bit because I I have a couple of friends that are fans of Ottawa. That minus some of their fans being uh, jerkwads. I got a couple a couple of friends that are Ottawa fans at Vancouver. Come on, other than burning down their own city, they're not gonna they're not gonna harm you. They're just gonna again. They're just gonna harm themselves. There, so they'll be so fine. St- they can win a cup but, but, as long but as Connor to, Garland wins a cup with them. But to finish up, <laughs> to finish up, I, I think if they win a round or two this year, I think that they will. <laughs> I think they're going to hold on to Nylander and just say, "F it." If we lose him in the off season, then we lose him in the off season. I think they're going to try to go for it again next year, and they, they, uh, they'll you know risk losing him in for nothing. I, I'll I'll go for a bigger hot take. If they get bounced in the first round again this year, which they will, they'll lose in, in six games. They'll, they'll lose a six-game series. Nylander, Mitch Marner, Jonathan Tavares. One of them gets traded. There will think... be a big splash I, because we... they will want to shake up as much as they possibly can because the very realistic threat of Matthews leaving for nothing, and you're not trading Matthews, even if he's, unless he straight up says, I will not resign, and even then you're probably still going to kick the can because you want to convince him to stay, you're not trading Matthews. So if they if they get desperate, they're going to make some ridiculous, huge splash, try to shake up the top six, 
and they're going to run into the same problem that they have now where their bottom six isn't, isn't as good. You'll get a couple of veterans to take league minimum or 900K to go there because they, they're from Toronto or because Toronto's still a good market. And then the, the defense is still going to lack. They're going to get another goaltender like Matt Murray where they're going to be like, what a great phenomenal ad that is. Matt Murray is going to be so great. And then what overreact when they start off struggling, overreact when they have a nice hot streak, and then go right back to where, oh, well, I guess the backup's the answer. That's what we're going to see in Toronto when they lose in a six-game six series. And mark my words, Nylander is the first one out, but I would not be surprised if, if JT also finds his way out of town if they keep failing in the playoffs because he makes way too much to not be able to help get them over a hump. Like, this team should be in the Final Four at least every other year with this core. I like, just, that's how insanely talented they are. I just don't see anybody being able to take on those two big contracts. Like, I, you buy know, it's set, <laughs> no, they're not going to buy out. That They're going to have six years of of contracting. Now, let's say they wait. That's still four years. Like, there's no way like, they're buying out. But I, I, I would like... To to offer a uh, a rebuttal, but I do need to make sure I am fact checking before I say. The, if, I, if I'm going to say funny stuff, I, I got to at least be semi correct. See, see now stuff. the secret is what they're going to do is they're going to trade us John Tavares, so that way we can't we can't sign Matthews in the off season. We won't have enough cash. Right, so JT, all right, he has a, he has a full no movement clause right now. Yeah. He has two more years after this. You're telling me right now. With eleven million, if they had the opportunity, I'm just gonna say Bo Horvat. I'm just gonna throw a random player, random name. That's straight from my anus. That is not an actual. Oh, this is they're going this route. You tell me right now. Let's say JT is a complete non-factor in the playoffs. You got two years left. You're telling me it's not tempting to buy him out. It's not no. tempting to look over and like no. We can we can get out from under this. No. Or or trade him. No. You're telling me right now? Yeah, because if you buy them out right now, you're going to have six years at like 5.5 million. That's why you're That's not buying them out right now. In the offseason, it's okay, four years. That's four years, years at 5.5 <laughs> million. Are you kidding me? No. Absolutely the cap's going to skyrocket. That's just going to be the cap skyrocket no. difference. It's fine. No. They'll be great. Remember, you're, the cap's going to skyrocket every you year. Are, you are sipping on Kool Aid, my guy. <laughs> I am. As they say, ridiculous. But I yeah. like saying funny things. Anyway, we get back to tanking. You since you you wanted to make this about the maple loaves on my podcast, I want to talk about tanking on to my finish us off. podcast. My podcast. I see how it is. <laughs> anyway, net positive. I do see tanking tanking as a positive because teams that aren't competing, those players that will be stuck on that team are generally going to get moved. They'll be able to make the better teams better, or at the very least, those fringe playoff teams more competitive. So those races stay tighter at the end of the season. It makes for better overall hockey while you have maybe in general, five teams tanking. I know this year it's a little different because Bedard, like I get it. This year is an extreme circumstance. I'll, I'll, I will go ahead and give you that point, but tanking is in general a net benefit. And then those smaller markets can build themselves up. Then if you have a fully developed Cooley, Gunther, say Geeky turns out, Maverick Lamoureux, so everything's looking better, you're telling me now an Austin Matthews or a Bo Horvat or a Dylan Larkin isn't looking at the roster like, I can win with that. Like, you have to build yourself up first. That's 
the only way the small markets can. So it's a net positive if you actually want league parity. Now, the problem is when failed rebuilds and failed tanks happen, you get situations like the Coyotes were in, the, in their 20, 20, what, 27 years now. They've made the playoffs eight times, seven times, uh, less than like 10, that. less yeah. than half, around a third, <laughs> maybe closer to a quarter. Yeah. So it's like, it, I think that's what people will use the extremes as, oh, see, tanking bad. But I'm like, I see way too many net positives. And teams that are middling have the opportunity to realistically get better. And then, of course, you have teams cycling out because now those middling teams, they get better in the playoffs. Playoff teams bounce out. They enter rebuilds. These rebuilding teams then enter that playoff race. And you actually have a healthy recycling of teams. And it's not just like basketball where you had a half decade to seven years where the same two teams were going to, to the finals and you knew who was going to win every year that you don't want that in, in hockey do you where the entire league is literally throwing in the towel yeah i i don't i i don't want that like that's why i like the way the cap is i think that there is some some things that you could do i think we've talked about this on the podcast i think that if we are really concerned about the the whole tax problem where some taxes are worse than others and people obviously will go towards where the taxes are cheaper, I think you could make like some sort of exception to where like cap space like cap space will fluctuate uh, depending on like where you are. If you're like naturally high in taxes, maybe you get like a little bit of a bonus in cap space to uh, give players a little bit more money. Um, just so that there is more parity. I think parity ultimately is probably best for the league, even if it is not driving it as quickly as like basketball is. Um, I I just, I feel like you're going to see burnout real quick with basketball coming up with just the, the just consistent turnover of only just a few teams being dominant. We're seeing it in baseball right now where like viewership is dropping because Every year, it's the same like three teams that spend 10x the amount of all the other teams in the league and just mm-hmm. absolutely dominate with all the extra money that they're putting towards their team. And also, like, because we, we have talked about the, the tax difference, I think that's completely fair because uh, it, it literally, if I'm taking home five million on my contract per year, that's my take home in Arizona. I should also, if I'm making the same exact money, should be able to have that same five million take home in Toronto or Pittsburgh or wherever else. So it's like that I completely agree with. I just don't like luxury tax systems because then you're literally rewarding the rich for staying rich. And then you can actually just like just keep outbidding the smaller markets and you have that baseball, you have that basketball where the big markets, I know like the Knicks, whatever, they're trash, but it's like. The big markets attract the free agents. Players are literally signing extensions and then forcing their way out of smaller markets like two years later while still under contract so the big markets can still stay competitive. So it's like you don't want situations like that. I think luxury tax systems definitely attribute to that. And thankfully with teams like the Lakers this this year and last year, with I know they're better this year than last year, but they've been generally pretty bad for the last couple of years with yeah. being so top-heavy. Thankfully, you're seeing a couple of examples like that, which will then make some teams a little less, a little more weary to bring on that big superstar because, oh, hey, how's the rest of the roster going to look? But that's also why hard caps work 
if you yeah. try to game the system in a hard cap, you're going to suck, and you're going to be stuck with that suckage. Oh, hello, San Jose. Not saying they're trying to game it, like them specifically, but when they're they're locking up their cap for so long and their team just isn't good enough to be where they want it to be, they're stuck. They are legit stuck with, I think, like, like Mark Edward Vlasic, I think, still has three or four years left. And yeah. and as, as much as I like Mark Edward Vlasic, he's not the player that, that signed that contract anymore. So it's like those teams that try to abuse it get punished. And yes, now they're getting the younger players. They'll get better. That's good. But they also essentially had to start a rebuild because they couldn't, it wasn't sustainable. And that should be, everyone else should be looking at it like, yeah, we should be weary. Or they should be looking at Toronto like, yeah, maybe being that top heavy does lead to lack of depth. Because if JT and Austin Matthews aren't scoring, you you don't have two extra lines that will get you those goals when you need them in the playoffs. So like I, I that's why I like the hard cap. It prevents the rich from staying rich and also makes teams have to think, hey, do we want to actually spread the money a little bit? And then way too many people make the argument that it's not player friendly. I'm like, dog, they're millionaires. If someone's making seven, eight figures, I'm not talking about fair wages anymore. Same thing with the owners being billionaires. I'm not talking about what's fair for them. I'm talking about what's fair for the competition because I'm a fan who's getting charged way too much to go to games, getting charged too much for the jerseys, getting charged too much for the hats, except for I'm not because I go to Ross and, and Marshall's two years after they're out of stock so I can get them cheap, like, which is what you should be doing. Save some damn money. These hats are not worth 30, 40 bucks. Have some self-respect. But anyway, like that's why I support tanking and hard caps. Do you guys have any closing thoughts on this? No, I I'm, <laughs> I was just letting you stand on your soapbox and letting you get it out. So <laughs> I uh, I'm good. I I think we're we're over the hour mark, so we could definitely start to wind things down here. And uh, I I don't really have anything else to say. I mean, it's just embrace the tank, have fun, guys, and uh, you know, uh, just just don't take it so seriously. Just. Relax. Some damn fun. And when they lose, treat it like winning. Like last night, all three Arizona hockey teams won. ASU actually won. Tucson actually won. And the Coyotes won towards Connor Bedard. You got to have that positive mindset. Haynes, any closing thoughts? And then plug your stuff. People got to know how to stalk you. They want to know your socials. What's your favorite beer? And if, if you're willing to get a little frosty, do the carpets match the drapes? Don't answer that last one. Please do not. Um, no, I just I want to say thanks to you guys. Uh, I you know I love coming on and talking hockey with anybody. Uh, getting to talk Coyotes hockey is a is more of a bonus and all that. Something I get to do on a normal basis. I'm a I'm a Greenville South County kid. I'm from the South. Grew up my whole life in the South. I'm every year pulling for a team that plays on the West Coast. And and like the game last night was at ten thirty my time. Like, everybody was talking about how late it was for them, 8.30 my time. It was 10.30 my time. I was up and watching that game until about almost 2 in the morning. Um, but I love doing it. I love this team. I love Ryan for this team. I love supporting this team. I like the area they're in. I want to see them succeed here. But, uh, yeah, thank you all for having me on. Uh, anybody can find me on the Hockey Riders. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Haynes P. Evans. That's capital H, capital P, capital E. Um, you can find me on the Chirpin' Yards pod. Um, I do that with uh, Grandy, Chase, and Tyler. It's real fun. Have to have you guys on and all that. We'll have to do a little cross episode over and all that. But I, I do appreciate you guys bringing me on. It's uh, uh, not much to do right now. Broken ribs. So it was fun to at least get to sit here and talk some hockey today. So I appreciate that, guys. Hey, anytime. We'll, 
We'll we'll make time for your pod. If you want to make time, we'll bring you back on at some point. The summer months are going to be when we're going to want to have a lot of people to talk about a oh, lot yeah. of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to uh, shut her down here, guys. So everybody, thank you so much for for listening and watching. And uh, make sure if you are listening to us audibly, check us out on YouTube. That is Desert Moon Hockey on YouTube, where you can see really the video see version. They guy with a weird mustache. They they, they are just they don't want to see that. They're just going to watch two fat guys talk about hockey. You know, I don't know why people like it, but they do. So absolutely check us out on YouTube and, uh, you know, follow us on all the uh, all the platforms, all the all the listening. Only platforms. fans. Go for it. Only, yeah, only fans is coming. On next the week. hub. Well, 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 <laughs> on the hub. Jeez. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening and or watching. And we'll see you all next week.